Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Christy Dole, and you are listening to When Hustle Meets Flow. And I am so excited for the episode that you are about to listen to. I have been following a gentleman on Instagram. His handle is at the investing tutor. And I just love his approach. He is a very, um, I don't know. I also follow Dave Ramsey. Okay. And Dave Ramsey's approach, I, I like parts of it, but other parts of it, it's just not realistic. You know, he, it, a lot of his advice is really for the wealthy, if I'm being honest. Um, I love his idea of like how to, you know, um, the debt snowball. Like, I think that that is a really powerful tool if you're um, paying down debt. But, you know, he, he's like, if you can't afford a 15 home mortgage, don't buy a home. It's like, okay. Or, you know, if you're in debt, he's like, you shouldn't see the inside of a restaurant unless you're, you know, waitressing. It's just like, that's not really realistic, right? But the investing tutor is a gentleman from Ghana and his advice and his content is so approachable and it makes it so that people like me and maybe you who maybe have a little bit of a retirement going or maybe none at all, or maybe you just feel like you don't make enough money to invest, he really opens that door for you guys. And today he's having a conversation with us about kind of what to do if you are someone who is maybe in your 30s or 40s or 50s and you really want to get serious about retiring and investing for your future. Um, he gives really tangible tools and tips. And I would be remiss if I didn't share with you guys, you know, as you know, I am a life coach and I'm also an entrepreneur. I have been in the network marketing industry for a decade. I owned and operated my own brick and mortar uh, business before that. And, you know, I, I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. So, you know, opportunities and vision and big picture is really just a part of who I am. It's like in my blood, right? So very recently I got involved with a brand new company in network marketing that also, well, I should say this, I got involved with a gentleman who is a 1% trader, meaning he has managed millionaire portfolios for the last decade. And he has consistently been in the top 1% grossing portfolios globally. So this is a man who is one of the top 1% traders of the world. I Life, the universe brought this person into my path. I started to learn from him and he also partnered with a company that merges network marketing and trading, which I think is so cutting edge, so powerful. And this company that I have recently gotten involved with, it's called Driven. What they do is, I'm going to talk about the trading and the crypto piece first, but what they do is Corey, who's a top 1% trader, he has a team of traders that they've created world-class education. And this is the kind of education that really teaches you from A to Z about trading, how to trade, when to trade. It teaches you about the charts. It teaches you about the different markets. And what I love about that is you are learning a skill that can never be taken away from you, right? When the reset, when, when the economy crashes, when the housing market crashes, when there's a pandemic, when life is just lifing at us, you are going to learn the skill that can never be taken away from you. And as Dr. Han said on our interview today, the stock market has never, ever had a day at 0%. If anything, it's he said it averages 10%. So what that means is that you're learning a skill at this company that can literally feed your family. And there's it's recession-proof. And they even teach you, here's what happens in a recession. You know, the market totally changes and here's what you do. So I love that. They also offer a product where you literally get the signals. Now, for those of you that don't know what signals are, when you trade, right, you're you're buying, uh, let's, let, I'm going to use, there's all different markets. So I'm going to use 
the market that they start teaching first is the Forex market. Forex stands for foreign exchange. The foreign exchange, if you've ever left this country, and let's say you've gone to Mexico and you took your dollars at the airport and you changed them out for pesos, there was an exchange that happened. That's the foreign exchange is trading dollars for whatever it is that you're trading, or it's just changing currencies. Okay. I didn't know this. Somebody is making money when that happens. Somebody makes money on those trades. You as an individual can be a part of that market and you can buy and trade currencies whenever you want. This company also offers what's called like uh, trade ideas or copy and paste signals. So they literally will tell you exactly what trade to do. So let's say it's the US dollar for the euro. They will literally tell you what numbers to put in, what when to enter the trade, when to leave the trade, and when to take your profit. So it, I love that. And then finally, and this is going to be the game changer in the economy, is automation hands-free trading. So this company is going to be offering a tool or a product where a service, if you will, where you literally set up automation. You let them know how risky you want to be. You have your own brokerage. The money is always staying in your possession. And this company just does the trades for you. And with an 85% profit over loss, it's a really good place to start your, your journey with trading. So I just wanted to share that, you know, this, this conversation with Dr. Hans was inspired by the fact that I am really elbows deep into a new company that I'm learning about crypto and the stock market and and all the different markets and trading. And I wanted to give you guys some value today with this conversation. Um, so seriously, grab a pen, <laughs> grab some paper, and get ready for your mind to be blown because this was in a conversation that I will literally remember for the rest of my life. And I hope you guys do too. Enjoy. Welcome everyone back to the podcast. You're listening to When Hustle Meets Flow. I'm Christy Dole, and I'm so honored and excited to introduce a new guest to the podcast. His name is Dr. Hans, and he has a Instagram profile um, that I have been following and learning so much for. It's at The Investing Tutor. Um, and so welcome, Dr. Hans. Thank you so much, Christy. I'm so excited to speak with you and your audience. And yeah, uh, thank you once again. Yeah, absolutely. So I really do want to hear your story. <laughs> um, so if you wouldn't mind sharing just your story and kind of the knowledge that you have, the, the niche that you're in and sort of what your mission is, what you're kind of, um, they call it Dharma. Like, what, why are you here and how are you providing value? Would love to hear all of that. Yeah, I'm here because I realized that as humans, specifically for certain demographics, I like to say underrepresented groups, right? So immigrants, minorities, women, mm -hmm. and millennials who weren't born into rich and wealthy households, mm. right? These groups of, of people typically don't understand how the financial system works, and as a result, they are not able to build wealth. Now, I am in this group and this demographic. And when I discovered that the secret to being able to build wealth was a requirement for you as an individual to educate yourself about money. I like to say we all work for money but many people have no clue what money is. Mm. So my mission or my dharma, as you had put it, was to focus my entire life on teaching and educating these underrepresented groups about what it takes to build wealth. And for me, it comes from the standpoint of learning about money and understanding how to invest, right? So that's what I do. So in, in one sentence, I'll say, I help underrepresented groups invest and build wealth. Mm. In terms of my, 
Yeah, you're saying, Chrissy. I was just saying that's like so powerful. <laughs> like we need people like you so badly. And I'm just, this is just incredible. C- continue. <laughs> yeah, in terms of my story, I was born and raised in Ghana, West Africa. And when I came to the U.S., life for me started in Bronx, New York. You know, when my family, we lived an upper middle class lifestyle in Ghana. So to give you an idea, growing up, like I had uh, my own driver, you know, that dropped me off at school, picked me up, um, you know, so lived that upper middle class lifestyle in Africa. When we came to the U.S., because of the exchange rate, and for those that don't understand what that means, you need more of a certain local currency for a country to be equivalent to a dollar. So when we moved to the U.S., the exchange rate at that time was about four to one, right? So you need four, let's call it four cities, which is the equivalent of, let's say, a dollar in the local currency. to be equivalent to $1 in the US. So essentially what you ended up having is you had to literally lose almost four times or the value of your money was reduced to pretty much a quarter, right? Once you come into the US. And that is what happened, right? So we're living an upper middle-class lifestyle in Ghana, West Africa. We get to the US and we're in the bottom literally 25%. And for me at that time, I was constantly being told, hey, the way to build wealth in America, the way to make money or to be rich in, in this country was go to school, get a degree and work hard. And that's what I hyper focused on. And often that's what other people believe. And I was lucky. In undergrad, I met this gentleman who told me to read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Now, the reason that this individual had me read the book was because he wanted to recruit me into like a network marketing business. Right. Little did he know that he was transforming my life. Because when I read that book, I discovered one, entrepreneurship, and two, investing. Mm. And I was like, wait, what is this investing thing? You mean to tell me there's a way to put money into something? You don't do any work (laughs) and that money compounds and grows over time and it makes you rich and wealthy. I was like, why didn't anyone tell me you could do that? Like literally, I didn't know you could take money and put it somewhere and it grows. And mind you, I was 20 years old at that time when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, about 2022. So then when I discovered that, I was like, oh my gosh, what else don't I know? So I started to read as much as I could on the topic of investing, wealth building. And um, fast forward to now, I've read over 400 books. I've, yeah, I've, oh my gosh, read over 40,000 financial journals, articles, reports. And on average, I spend about three hours to four hours a day, constantly keeping up to date with, with, uh, you know, financial markets. Now, what I would say is one of the things that I discovered along the way, which completely blew my mind. And I wanted to share this with your audience is I asked myself, well, what if someone doesn't have a lot of money to invest? could that individual retire with a million dollars, right? It was a very simple question. So I said, okay, let me take the minimum wage back then when I started kind of like uh, getting into investing, which was around 2005, 2007. So I said, if I were to take someone earning a minimum wage of $7 and and that individual invest just 10% of their income, right? Mm-hmm. how much would that individual have by the time they reach retirement? So $7 an hour, if you do the math, you know, 40 hour work week, you take out taxes, give and take the individual is earning between 1,200, you know, to about 1,400, give and take. Okay. So 10% of that, you know, let's just say it's $100 a month. 
right? If that individual is investing $100 a month over the time frame of about 40 to 45 years, that individual will retire with a million dollars with just a $100 a month investment. If you factor in that now, the minimum wage is closer to $15 $15 per hour, which is double that amount, right? Yeah. That means that if an individual is investing for, let's say, a 40 to 45-year period, we're saying that individual could have $2 million by the time they they reach retirement. Mm. But the most important thing is that individual needs to start early and they need to be consistent with their investing. Start early and be consistent. Okay. What, what, ha- I have many questions now. <laughs> I'm like, do and, and don't, feel, don't feel rushed. Yeah. Let's, let's chat. <laughs> oh, this is so wonderful. Um, so I'm curious when you were 20 and this individual introduced this book to you, what, what were you doing? You, you were going to college, you said to just get like a regular J-O-B. Yeah, I was going to college. I was in a community college, actually, and I was working my way towards um, going into pharmacy school because as an immigrant, you're told become a doctor, a lawyer or an engineer. Right. So I was literally just following that cookie cutter um, path. Yeah. Okay. So I have many questions. Um, I'm 40 and I think a lot of my listeners are probably in their 30s, 40s, 50s. What what is the advice for someone who's like just getting started at my age with saving for retirement? What, what avenues would you take? What advice do you have? Phenomenal question. So typically when it comes to investing, we have two options. Okay. Now I'm going to add a third option to help individuals who cannot take advantage of either of these main two options so that they have kind of like a, you know, let's just call it a, a, a secret way out or like another path or another alternative. So the main two things that you need to know. Yeah. But if an individual wants to build wealth via investing, they either need a lot of time for their money to grow or compound, right? So you need a lot of time or you need, you need a lot of money. Now, it's either or. So if a person doesn't have a lot of money to invest, then they need what? A ton of time, but they can have a small amount of money, right? right? If an individual has a lot of money to invest, because they can allocate all of that money, even if they don't have a lot of time for the money to grow, they can still do well, right? So for example, let's say someone has $100,000 to invest and they wanted to invest for five years, well, that's a lot of money. It's still going to you know, grow over that five-year period mm-hmm. and almost come close to, let's say, give and take about 150 to, to 200K. And I'm doing this off the top of my head, right? Yeah. Now, if a person didn't have a lot of money, so let's say they were, they were able to invest $100 a month or $200 a month, well, to get to you know, 1 million or half a million or even a hundred K with just a hundred dollars a month, you'd need to invest probably over like a 10 to 15 year period just to hit a hundred K. So you see how, if you don't have a lot of money, you need more time for that money to grow. Okay. Okay. So time or money. Now, as you know, most underrepresented groups they don't, have, they don't have time because they didn't hear or learn about investing early. Mm-hmm. And they don't have a lot of money because unfortunately the system is set up in a way that if you don't understand how money works and if you, or if you don't have like a degree that pays you a ton of money, then yep. you're not going to have a lot of money either. Right. And this is where we, this is where like 90% of of the demographic I, ex- I explained, find themselves. Yeah. Not a lot of time and not a lot of money. The way out is this. An individual has to be able to identify how to achieve higher investment returns. Okay. That is the secret, right? Because 
you want to be able to grow your wealth or what you have at a faster rate to make up for the fact that you don't have a lot of money and you don't have a lot of time. And if I could kind of like uh, digress to share this, Christy, yeah, that is why I'm incredibly passionate about crypto. I was literally just going to ask you, is this why you do crypto? <laughs> that so, yeah. is why I'm incredibly pa- passionate about crypto. And, and if for individuals who just kind of search me on Instagram, right, at the Investing Tutor, they would see this individual who often shares facts or stats or info about Bitcoin, and he's passionate about it. And they might be wondering, like, what is this about? It's because for that demographic that I serve, this is literally the greatest opportunity for us to elevate from a standpoint of wealth from, and I could dive even deeper, but this is literally our way out. Now, does that mean, Christy, that we take all of our money and then we dump it into Bitcoin? Absolutely not. Yeah. Remember, oh. because, because Bitcoin and crypto provides incredible upward in terms of returns, an individual doesn't necessarily need to be overexposed to that asset. Even as a small portion of an allocation could go a very long way. Okay, time out. I just, well, I want to break some terms down because I, I don't understand them. So I'm guessing my audience might. What does it mean to be overexposed on an asset? What does that mean? It means that you're not diversified. It, so literally, let's say a person puts 100% of their investable cash or money into Bitcoin. Well, okay. you are overexposed. Like gotcha. you're okay. not diversified. Got it, that got it. Sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, continue. <laughs> I'm taking notes. What I generally say as a rule of thumb is for individuals who don't mind taking on a little bit more risk to be able to get those returns, in my opinion, an allocation between 10 to 20% of investable assets, meaning let's say a person has $100 to invest, anywhere between 10, let me push it anywhere between 10 to 25%. Mm-hmm. So te- um, 10 to $25 of that $100, in my opinion, and what I would do, I'd allocate that to, to Bitcoin. Now, I see you have a question. I do, yeah. So this is really, I really want to drive this home to my audience because I also thought this way until I kind of started dabbling. But you can just put in $10, $25 into Bitcoin. You don't need like thousands or anything like that. Yes, you do not need thousands of dollars. Okay. Let me put this into context. Yeah. So the current price of Bitcoin is about $54,000 per coin. So individuals will see this and they'll say, oh my gosh, it's too expensive. I don't have $54,000. Right. Well, you can buy a dollar worth of Bitcoin. You can buy $5 worth of Bitcoin. You can buy $10 worth of Bitcoin. Now here's the caveat. To make the math simple in your mind, I want you to imagine Bitcoin is $50,000 per coin. Okay. So what happens when Bitcoin goes from 50,000 to 100,000? Well, it means that the value of Bitcoin has doubled. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. So if someone had invested only $5, well, their $5 will now be worth $10. They didn't have to do anything. If someone had invested $100, well, their $100 will be worth $200. So you see, it doesn't matter the amount. Whatever you have invested is going to grow at the exact same rate that Bitcoin is growing. Are we on the same page, Christy? Yes. Perfect. Yes. So if I had $10,000 invested in Bitcoin and it goes from 50K to 100K, my 10K would be worth $20,000. Now, here's what most people don't know. Bitcoin for the past 10 years has been growing at about 150% year over year. Wow. 
Yeah. So, Christy, I want to, I'm pulling this up on, on my computer to show you this math. Let's say an individual was investing just $50 a month. Does that seem doable or reasonable? Yeah, for sure. Okay. $50 a month over 12 months means that that individual would have invested about $600 over that period of time. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if an individual is investing $600 over the past 10 years into Bitcoin, and when I say $600, let me just simplify it and say $50 a month. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Over the the past 10 years that Bitcoin has been in existence. Well, Bitcoin has really been in existence about 11 to 12 years, but let's just keep the numbers you know, simple. So 10 years. At 150% compounded, that individual will have $9.5 million today if they were only investing $50 a month into Bitcoin for the past 10 years. Now- wow. Now I'm going to change the 150% return that we've seen over the past 10 years. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to reduce it to let's say 50%. Okay. So all I'm saying is I'm going to imagine, and I'm not saying this is a guarantee. I'm just saying I'm estimating, right? Bitcoin has been growing at 150% for the past 10 years. I'm imagining it slows down from 150% per year down to 50. Does that seem reasonable or did you want me to drop it down some more? No, I mean, that sounds reasonable. It sounds reasonable, right? Because yeah. I'm reducing it by a third yeah. of, of its growth. Mm -hmm. So if a person is investing just $50 a month over the next 10 years, meaning from today, over the next 10 years, $50 a month, and that is growing at 50%, that individual would have $100,000 by just investing $50 a month. Wow. If you were wondering, if you were putting $50 a month into a savings account, what it would be worth, the amount is $6,000 over a 10-year period. Mm -hmm. So 6,000 and 100 K, just because of an exposure to Bitcoin, assuming a 50% compounded growth is just mind blowing. It really is. It, that's, I think what's coming up for me as you share all of this is it sounds amazing. The, the couple questions, I don't know if you want to get into this nitty gritty, but it's yes. like, how do you invest in Bitcoin? Like, okay. like how do you do that? And then um, the, the risk, like talk to me about the risk, because I think with crypto, at least the way my brain works is like, I don't really get it. I'm like, I don't understand. My husband tells me that they're mining bits on the internet. And I'm like, what does that even mean? I don't understand. Is it a real coin? Is it a virtual coin? It's, it's just kind of, um, it just feels like something that isn't real. So I would love to learn a little bit more about that if you have a moment. Yes, I do. Let's start out with me explaining what Bitcoin is. Okay. The creator of Bitcoin didn't like that governments could just print and create money at will, right? Mm -hmm. it, we, we as a population or as citizens of a country, we don't get to decide whether the country can create more money, whether the country can borrow more money, we have no say in how countries run their finances. So the creator of Bitcoin said, you know what, we're going to create or he or she or they, they are going to create a private alternative to the current financial system. So they created a digital currency because they just looked ahead and they said, Hey, everything moving into the future will be digital. Yeah. Why not have money be digital? So they created a digital currency. In other words, a cryptocurrency, the word crypto means that it is powered by encryption, right? Cryptography. So it's encrypted money. For it to be encrypted, it means that an individual cannot, you know, hack it and then 
go do whatever they want. Like you cannot go and duplicate something that is encrypted or you cannot go and like, you know, tweak it. Got it. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. So then an alternative to currency. Now, the thing is, this currency is coded. What that means is there's a fixed quantity of it that will be in circulation, meaning, and the exact number is there's only going to be 21 million coins that will be created in our lifetime and, and multiple generations into the future. Only 21 million Bitcoin. Okay. Okay. Now, the creator also programmed Bitcoin to release a certain amount of coins every 10 minutes. Okay. So the first year that Bitcoin was created, every 10 minutes, 50 coins will be created. So going back to what your husband said, the way that you create Bitcoin and anyone can create it, it, it can, can, can kind of like um, help with the creation of Bitcoin by simply getting a computer and then going to kind of uh, solve these numeric puzzles. Now, if you're listening and you're wondering, do I need to go buy a computer to set it up to get this coin? No, you don't need to. But there's going to be groups of individuals that want to do that, Right. So those individuals can, can do that. It's, it's kind of like if you want a gold necklace, you don't need to go buy mining equipment to go mine for gold. You just go to a store and purchase the gold, right? Okay. So Chrissy, we're going to leave the people who want to mine the Bitcoin to mine it. And after they mine it, then they what? They can sell it into the market. And then we can come and then purchase the coin. That's, that's kind of like giving you a comparison to gold. Okay. Does that help with the creation of, of Bitcoin? Yeah. The okay. creation part, yes. The mining part, not really. My brain still doesn't get it, but. Well, well you don't even need to. Really just, get it. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to. You just need to know that there's a computer system that's able to compute and solve these numerical puzzles but guess what we don't even know how gold is mined right but but we're yeah. able to go to the store to buy gold so we don't even need to worry about how it's mined true so true. 21 million coins will be in existence it's mined every 10 minutes for the first four years of bitcoin's um existence 50 coins will be put into circulation every 10 minutes. Okay, so 50 coins, 50 coins, 50 coins. And after four years, that number divides into half. So the first four years, 50 coins each 10 minutes. Then after four years, it, 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 it drops down to 25 coins or 25 Bitcoins being released. Mm -hmm. And then after another... Um, four years, it drops down to 12.5 Bitcoins released every, every, every 10 minutes, right? Over a four-year period. So essentially, what that means for individuals who are not keeping up with the numbers, Bitcoins that are available for people to buy becomes scarce mm -hmm. and limited over time. So the longer we stay, like the less Bitcoin will be available. And ultimately it's going from the 50 coins every 10 minutes. And it's literally going, if you're looking on a graph, it's going all the way till you have zero coins that will be created. Hmm. And at that point, it stops at 21 million coins altogether okay. available. So did you follow kind of like the creation of Bitcoin? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Now, at this point, so 2021, about 89% of all the coins have already been mined. So give and take, that number is about 18.9 million coins mm -hmm. have been mined. Okay. And remember, the goal is to get to 21 million. What does that mean? Well, 
you have an asset, which is Bitcoin, it's scarce. And for the remaining, let's say, you know, 50 years that we will be alive, 50, 100 years that we will be alive, mm-hmm. only 2 million coins will be created. <laughs> like, I just want you to take that in. Right. So it- what that means is as more people want to use or adopt or embrace this digital currency, the value has to go up. And we can talk about risk, but I just wanted to kind of um, paint this broader picture of Bitcoin is a, a digital currency that was created as an alternative to current financial um, markets or systems. Okay. Individuals can choose to you know, own it or buy it, and we'll talk about where they can go to buy it. But the more individuals who buy it, because there's a limited quantity, the price has to appreciate. That's why Bitcoin has grown from literally less than a cent wow. to $50,000 right now. That's, I, I like, I get it. I totally get it now. <laughs> so thank you. Um, yeah, definitely. I have a few other questions, but I definitely would like to tell my listeners like, what's the best way that they could take $50 a month and, and go and do that. Um, because the other question I had was around like the other coins, right? Mm. You hear about these, all these other coins come up. Like my, my husband, I know back in 2018, he bought Tron, he's got Shiba or Sheeb or something like that, that he's been watching lately. Um, Mm. so I'm just kind of curious about that, but definitely tell people like, what is the safest, best way for them to take whatever they have each month and go and invest it. I, Cause I love that. That's, I want to leave them with like a tangible. Yeah. So the beauty of it is we have legal exchanges. So an exchange is comparable to a brokerage account for a stock, right? So for individuals who invest in stocks, you know about Robinhood, Vanguard, TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab, Fidelity, yep. their brokerages. The equivalent of that for crypto is an exchange. Okay. And in the US, we have PayPal, we have Venmo, we have Cash App, we have Robinhood, we have SoFi Invest, and we also have Coinbase. I should have even started the list with Coinbase, in all honesty. And we also have Gemini and many others. Now, for individuals listening outside of the US, I'd say we have Coinbase because Coinbase is a global company. There's Kraken. K-R-A-K-E-N. There's crypto.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. So those are three options for individuals who are listening globally, whether from, you know, Europe, Australia, Africa, you know, those are the options at a global scale. Okay. So you're telling me that here in the U.S., you just download one of those apps and you just, that's how you do it? you instantly have access to be able to purchase Bitcoin for as little as $1. Yes. And then how, what is the process of turning Bitcoin into actual dollars? It's so simple. You just hit a button on your app or website, sell, and that's it. Oh, and then you just get the cash. Okay. Just get the cash instantly available and you can wire it directly to your bank account. See, I think what happens is we, it, it sounds complicated. And so in our minds, we start to think it's complicated. Um, so I just love that you broke that down for me. Um, do you have yeah. time for just and a I, call? Oh, go ahead. Yes, I do. I do. Okay, perfect. I know you had asked about the other coins. Yeah. Right. I'd love to hear about that. Let me share with you the difference between Bitcoin and, and the other 10,000 cryptocurrencies that are in existence today. The difference is no one knows who created Bitcoin. What that means from a technical standpoint is you can't stop it. (laughs) Okay. So Ethereum. No, 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 no. It's not scary. And I'll explain why. Okay. (laughs) No one knows who created Bitcoin. It could have been the U.S. government. 
It could have been an entrepreneur. It could be someone in, in Africa or Australia or Japan or India. It could even have been someone in China. Who knows? No one knows who created Bitcoin now. This is why it is brilliant. Mm. You can't stop it. Meaning, who, where are you going to go to stop Bitcoin? You, you can't. And Christy, for anyone who has a computer that is mining Bitcoin, meaning, you know, helping to create the Bitcoins every 10 minutes, that individual is one securing the Bitcoin network. That individual is keeping Bitcoin running. So literally to stop Bitcoin, you need to go find all of the 10 to 30 million computers spread across the world processing Bitcoin transactions, which is literally impossible. So Bitcoin is a decentralized cryptocurrency. All of the other cryptocurrencies, we know the founders. Shiba Inu, there's a founder, there's a team, <laughs> there's a group. Ethereum, there's a group. And the reason why this is powerful is because now, if a country or a company or an individual is buying this cryptocurrency, because there's no individual attached to it, there is no like this feeling of, oh, I don't like it. Mm. Or what if we don't like this person? Or we don't want, if this was created by America, other countries don't want to embrace it because then it's helping America. Right. <laughs> you get it. It is a fair, equal system that literally levels the playing ground and the way that the system is built for Bitcoin is very simple. Individuals, countries, corporations, entities that adopt this currency first will be insanely wealthy as everyone piles on towards the end. Mm. Because there's 21 million of these coins, as there's greater demand, the price has to increase to make it in such a way that others can also purchase a piece of it. So technically, well, let me share a stat with you. Right now, there are about 200 million crypto wallets out there, meaning that about 200 million people are exposed to, in quote, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Okay. There are 4 billion mobile devices. And by the way, every mobile device can have a Bitcoin or crypto wallet. So 200 million <laughs> and 4 billion people. Yeah. <laughs> and the beauty of it is, this is not like PayPal or Cash App, which only works in the US. Bitcoin works anywhere that there's an internet connection. Bitcoin doesn't care about exchange rates. One Bitcoin in the US is the same as one Bitcoin in Europe. It's the same as one Bitcoin in Australia. Mm. It is the same across the board. Yeah. So this is the first global payment system. And to, to be able to use the payment system, which is Bitcoin, you need to own Bitcoin. So in a way, it's, it, it forces everyone into the system. Now, let's, let me share with you the greatest risk or the greatest threat to Bitcoin. Okay. Because you cannot have such an incredible opportunity without risk, right? Sure, yeah. The greatest risk or the greatest threat to Bitcoin is if the US government bans it. Mm. That is the greatest. It. What was that again? I was just saying, like, it feels like the US is embracing it, like banks and mortgages and I, I keep seeing articles about more and more entities here in the U.S. are taking Bitcoin. Absolutely. You see, the U.S. is so smart, right? And, and I say that because most people can see, and you are right, the U.S. is embracing it, but the U.S. is not embracing it from like a government perspective where like the government is saying, hey, we're buying Bitcoin or the U.S. central bank is saying we're buying Bitcoin. Yes. What the U.S. is doing is, it's allowing the companies, the individuals, it is allowing for an infrastructure that allows its citizens and companies and organizations to move into Bitcoin without worrying about it. Mm -hmm. Now, this is what happens. As Bitcoin increases in value, 
the U.S. can tax those gains and take, you know, anywhere between 15 to 30 percent or 15 to 25 percent of the gains of that. Right. So the U.S. government can get to benefit in that way. At a later stage, we're going to see countries begin to buy Bitcoin, right? El Salvador started buying Bitcoin about um, three weeks ago. I heard about that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So imagine all of a sudden countries start to pile into Bitcoin. Do you think the U.S. is going to stand by and say, hey, we don't want some? So the U.S. can come in at a later stage to buy crypto. So Imagine for us as individuals, if we are buying Bitcoin right now, and then in 10 years, countries start (laughs) putting the enormous amount of money that they have into Bitcoin. I mean, it is just even unthinkable, the opportunity and the amount of wealth transfer that that creates. Mm. Once again, this is why this is the greatest opportunity of our lifetime. If you were to ask me, what is the risk in terms of a percentage for the US banning Bitcoin? I would honestly say there's a 1% chance that it does. Now, why would the US want to ban Bitcoin? If the US felt like there's not a lot of Bitcoin exposure in its borders, meaning its citizens, it's businesses, there isn't enough Bitcoin exposure and another country has more Bitcoin than the US. And and let me just share, let's say China has more Bitcoin than the US. The US will feel threatened because as Bitcoin grows in value, whoever has the most amount of Bitcoin circulating in their country will become a global superpower. Yeah. So the announcement by China that they are banning Bitcoin is the greatest opportunity for this country. It's like the greatest opportunity ever and less of an incentive for the U.S. to ban it. Mm, That makes sense. So what, just to kind of recap, the bit, Bitcoin is really what you're talking about today in terms of this is a great, if you are don't have a ton of time and don't have a ton of money, right? If you're 40 or 50 and you're just starting Bitcoin, in your opinion, is, is the place to put whatever you can because of all the different reasons that you mentioned. Yes. Um, that's yeah. just so, so powerful. Like if anything, that's the biggest nugget I'm taking away today. So thank you. My absolute pleasure. Yeah, Bitcoin, if we're looking at all of the crypto assets, Bitcoin is the less riskiest asset. Literally, it's the one that if someone doesn't want to take too much risk at all, you buy Bitcoin, right? Now with the others, I'm not saying the others aren't bad, but you have to understand the others aren't as decentralized as Bitcoin. And also you can always point to who created it. (laughs) So that's the core difference. Now, some of the smaller tokens will um, do well and survive. For me, I have a rule of thumb for the smaller tokens. Yeah. Let's say 100% of, let's look at 100% of my crypto portfolio, right? So in the beginning, we said, hey, if a person has cash, the person can say, I'm going to take 25% of that cash to allocate to crypto, Mm -hmm. right? So out of that 25%, well, then that means that 25% becomes 100% only for crypto. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And for those who are not following, if you have $100, and you're doing 25% into crypto, then it becomes $25. Well, that $25 is like 100% of that 25 is going into crypto. So out of that 100% for crypto, I don't put more than 5% into what we'll call the smaller tokens, the Shiba Inus, XYZ. The reason, yeah, you had a question? I'm just recapping. So whatever percentage of money you're planning on putting into crypto, your rule of thumb is that, would you say it was five or 10%? I'll say 5%, but for someone who's passionate, no more than 10. Okay. Goes to other coins and then 95% or 90% is in Bitcoin. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Now there's, there's, there's a caveat. 
Ethereum is the second largest cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. For Ethereum, I will make an exception. So for individuals who want exposure to Ethereum, that is fine. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I would say my exposure would be about, let's say, 60% allocated to Bitcoin mm-hmm. and almost 40% to ETH, which mm-hmm. is Ethereum. Yep. But let's just say 35 to make it simple. And yep. then the remaining 5%, you know, designated to a few others altcoins, which are the, the smaller tokens. Yeah. Amazing. That's so good. Thank you so much. That was really powerful. So I have like two or three other questions and then we can wrap sure. it up. Is that okay? Um, yes. All right. So do you have children? Yes, I have uh, one uh, little boy, Princeton. Oh, beautiful. How old is he? He's a year and a half. Oh, so sweet. Okay, so you're not at this phase yet, but I have a five and a seven-year-old and they're girls. And I realize, I mean, I am very deep in healing my own money wounds and money Mm. and and recreating my own money story. Um, I'm really good at making money but keeping it, you know, I like to spend money too. Right. So, um, Mm -hmm. I realize that I don't necessarily have the healthiest money mindset and, and Mm -hmm. it's something that I'm actively working on. And so I always wonder what should I be teaching to my children? Like what is the, and I realize that they learn by what I model. Right. I I do Mm -hmm. realize that, but it's also powerful. You know, my daughters, the other, um, a week ago, they had, or not a week ago, it was like a month ago, they had a lemonade stand and they mm. literally, they made like $80. It was crazy. Oh. And I was so proud of them and they're little entrepreneurs and they were so excited. And I just said, you know, what are we going to do with this money? And they're like, we're going to spend it. And I'm like, oh my oh. gosh, <laughs> I know. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. We're going to definitely spend some. I said, but we're going to, we're going to save some. And so I, I really try to teach them, but I'm curious, like what your um, philosophy would be when teaching children. I would love to hear that. Yeah. I'll keep it very, very, very simple. Okay. The philosophy of pay yourself first and invest that money. That's it. So a portion of everything you earn is yours to keep and you make them understand that when they are spending money and there's nothing wrong with that they are giving it to someone else it's so simple you've earned money and you're giving it away sure it's an exchange for something that you want but then that money is gone right and money is is essential it's needed for us to be able to buy food, to be able for you to buy whatever you want. When you don't have money, you cannot get what you want, right? Mm -hmm. So you have them understand that if they keep a portion of of the money that they earn, let's just keep it simple at 10%, and they invest that money, it will generate more money for them to the point where at a certain point in the future, they wouldn't need to be working for money. And I know this other part might be too much for like a seven or a nine-year-old. So let's just simply say, always keep 10% of what you earn. And invest it. And invest it. That's it. Just tell them that. Okay. You know, the whole, like it will, you get to a point, you don't need to work. It's just going to be too complicated for them. Right, right, right. Invest 10% of whatever you earn. Don't spend that money. Then what do they do with the 90%? The 90%. I mean, if you want to be very, very detailed, (laughs) but the truth is, and we can be very detailed, but the truth is if all they do was invest 10% and let's say maybe save 20%, right? And the remaining 70% spend it, it's completely fine. And I know it sounds absurd, but that's the reality. There is no, well, I shouldn't say there's no adults, but I can guarantee you that 
90% of U.S. adults in real life barely, barely even keep 10% of what they earn, much less saving 20 and, and investing 10. Yeah. So that is a huge, to be able to do that, it's going to put them in like that, the top, not even 1%, it's like 0.01% of the world just by that habit. Mm. So let's just say invest 10%, save 10%, and they can do whatever they want with, with the remaining 80%. But that's where get to choose okay, what I, they want to do with it. That is, uh, that is so good. That's so good. Thank you. Because I, I, like I said, I kind of struggle. I'm like, oh God, I, I want them to do better than me. You know, I want them to have a healthier money mindset. And absolutely nobody taught this to me, just like you said. So that is such a nugget, such a gift. Um, my next question is for women who have kind of this wife mentality, that's like, oh, my husband takes care of it all. You know, my husband fig does the finances. What do you have any, like a little nugget of advice for them or anything for those, um, men, those types of women I'm talking about myself, by the way, <laughs> but, and um, I really want to be more empowered. Yeah. Yeah. That is a brilliant question. Let me start off by saying, I am the investing tutor, right? <laughs> I analyze financial markets on a day-to-day -day basis. And when I recommend an investment to my wife, she asks me, how do you know it's a good investment? <laughs> sure. And I want, I want you all to pause for a moment to, to think about that. What that means is that, you know, I make my wife understand that I want her to also, not that she needs to know and understand how to analyze investments, but at the very least, she needs to have enough information and knowledge to the point where if something happens to me, someone cannot come and take advantage of her, period. What do I mean by someone cannot take advantage of her? A financial advisor, a, a colleague who's coming in to say, hey, I know what you should do with your money. Right. That can never happen. And the fact that we know we are not in control of our lives, it means that we cannot say everything is being left to just one person. Have an idea about what is going on, how much investments or assets you have, and do you even have a general understanding of investing, right? So for example, I'll share like a very basic <laughs> kind of like, you know, um, template, right? When it comes to investing, obviously the younger a person is, the more exposure they need to have to, in general, the US stock market, right? So for me personally, up until age 45 or 50, I'm investing 100% of my assets into the US stock market. Let's assume that the entire market is, I'm talking about the S&P 500, okay? Yep. So what that means is up until age pretty much 50, 45 to 50, 100% of my assets are allocated to you know, US equities or, or stocks. After 50, depending on my risk tolerance, I can begin to add exposure to bonds. A bond for people who are not listening is a guaranteed payment for lending money to the, to, to the government of the country that you live in. So the US government, if you buy a bond, you're literally saying, hey, US, take my money, go use it, and you're promising to pay me back. That's what a bond is. So because of that guarantee, it provides some stability and safety. So depending on, you know, after 50, what percentage, what level of safety or security do you want? Someone would say, well, I want 50% of my money to be more stable. Sure, put 50% of that in, in bonds. For me, I, I don't think I can ever go beyond 20% bonds because of just who I am and my understanding of 
you know, the stock market, knowing that the stock market has, you know, never gone to zero ever before, despite whatever you see on the news, Mm -hmm. it always averages over a long period of time, about 10%. So because of that knowledge, I personally cannot allocate 50% to bonds. Mm. Maximum in my lifetime might be 20%. Now, crypto will provide stable returning alternatives in the future. And at that point, yes, maybe I'll allocate 50% of my assets to a crypto stable coin, which guarantees me a 5% return. That I'll do. But a bond, I, I, I wouldn't. So coming back to, to the topic, I wanted to share that because I wanted to share tangibles. Maybe there might be someone out there who's listening to this and be like, I'm over 50. Um, you know, maybe my husband passed or maybe we, you know, we broke up and I'm hoping none of these things happen to anyone listening. Sure. And you're wondering, what do I do? You're going to remember, oh yeah, he said that I need to decide between S&P 500 and what percentage I want towards bonds. So that when someone comes to pitch you some complicated thing, you just say no. Okay. So in summary, I just want to encourage each and every one of you listening, please, you don't need to be an investment expert, but understand what's going on. Yeah. Go and look at, hey, you go over to your partner. Hey, babe, how how much do we have in investments? The person is going to look at you and be like, why are you asking me that question? You never ask questions. The person could be defensive if they haven't been investing. It's not meant to be a fight at all. I'm not Dave Ramsey. What I'm trying to communicate is identify what in how, what we have in investments. Just and oh, it, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, just just start. For me, it was like this giant. You know, have you heard that expression? How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? For me, yeah. starting to educate myself and become more. Um, having a healthier relationship with money, it just seemed like this big elephant. And what I found is that you just, just take one step at a time, you know, have that conversation with your husband, you know, look at your next statement. Like it it, just start to get educated is kind of what I was hearing you say. Yes, please do. And to, to share you know, my wife, even me as an investing tutor, my wife has her own brokerage accounts for some of her investment accounts. And she buys her own investment. She buys her own, you know, investment funds. And it's great to see. It's just so, it, it's so empowering if you're able to do that. And, and I'll end with this story. For my mother-in-law's birthday, I gave her some Bitcoin. And I said to her, Congratulations, mom. You have money that my father-in-law cannot control. (laughs) Because when a person owns crypto or Bitcoin in their own wallet, no one on this planet can take that unless that person chooses to give it to you or to share with you their secret code. Yeah. So it was, she, she laughed and she understood kind of like the joke, but it's at the same time, I'm like, like, really, this is money that like my mother-in-law <laughs> cannot like, control. That's so, <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. So I wanted to share that I'm all for, you know, female empowerment and, and you all just being able to be in the loop of what's going on. I'm not telling you to go tell your husband, hey, I want to come and control the finances now. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying open a brokerage account for yourself. Begin investing with $50, $100, $25. Um, have dialogues. It could be once a year, honestly. Hey, babe, how much do we have in investments? How are we allocated between stocks and bonds? And the person will be like, wait, what? How do you know what a bond is? But you learned all of this on this podcast and now you have the knowledge. So don't stop. Keep educating yourself. I'm sure Christy will be providing incredible value to you all. Oh man, thank you so, so much. And really, you know, my my business, I'm a coach. Um, I coach women. 
um, that are in actual network marketing businesses. You mentioned net network marketing earlier, but I coach women in network marketing businesses, but I really coach them on their mindset and on their belief and like their energy so that when they take the action to grow their business, they're in the energy that supports that, right? And the name of my business is When Hustle Meets Flow. And what I love about this conversation is we've been taught as a society to grind, to hustle, to push, to make it happen, to work hard, to work until your fingers bleed, you know, don't take any breaks, 16 hour days. And I think that society, humanity is moving into a state of more flow, where being in a state of flow, where there's no resistance, where you're just sort of allowing and receiving and taking inspired action, but not this crazy, you know, work until you die type of thing. This conversation is so, um, just such a part of this because investing and investing in a smart way and using these um, tactics that you've taught with like the Bitcoin and things like that, it's really a way to create wealth in the flow. And so I just want to thank you so much for taking this time. Guys, I, I just want to tell you, he, he offered on his Instagram a couple of days ago to, he just wanted to give back. And he said, if there's 10 people here that hit me up, I will hop on a Zoom, I will do your podcast. And so that is how I had the honor of having him on. So thank you so much for not only just being a wealth of knowledge and for taking your abilities and your dreams and like turning it into something that can help others, but for also really modeling what leadership looks like, which is giving back and which is just adding value. So I so thank you for being here. Yeah, my absolute pleasure, Chrissy. Thanks for having me. All right, awesome.